This is episode 47 of Teacher Approved. Hey there, thanks for joining us today. We are so excited to welcome Sarah Marie from the Stellar Teacher Podcast to our podcast today. We had a lot of fun visiting with her and we know you'll get a lot of great information out of this interview. Sarah loves showing teachers how to level up their literacy instruction while also having a little fun. And you will definitely get both of those things today. In this episode, she shares her six secrets to small group success. I was really wowed by her insightful suggestions. So whether you are brand new to running small groups or you're an old pro, you will find some great takeaways from what Sarah has to offer. Let's get to the interview. You're listening to Teacher Approved, the podcast helping educators elevate what matters and simplify the rest. I'm Heidi. And I'm Emily. We're the creators behind Second Story Window, where we give research-based and teacher-approved strategies that make teaching less stressful and more effective. You can check out the show notes and resources from each episode at secondstorywindow.net. We're so glad you're tuning in today. Let's get to the show. We are so excited to have Sarah here today to talk to us about small group instruction. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I really am so excited to be on y'all's podcast today. We're excited to get to talk to you today. We're super excited to hear what you have to share about small group instruction. So why is this a good topic for teachers to be thinking about in the middle of the year? Well, I feel like this is like a great topic to think about kind of like at any point in the year, especially in the middle of the year though. I mean, because if you think about it, so like, here's the thing, like small group instruction is where the magic happens. I always think, you know, it's where you get to like, get to know your students one-on-one, you get to like differentiate and it's where you really get to refine and practice whatever, whatever gaps are holding back your students from like the ultimate growth. And I think probably part of the reason why they're really good to focus on in the middle of the year is because, you know, it's like not that everything revolves around like end of year testing, but like the closer we get to end of year testing, you're probably feeling like, oh my gosh, my students have some gaps in whatever the content is. Well, those gaps can be filled during your small group lessons. I also think that for some teachers, they might just be getting started with small groups. I was one of those teachers that I did not start small groups during my first year of teaching until November. And I taught in, in Louisiana. And so we started school in August. So it's like my, my students went, what is that, like four months without small group instruction. And so in a lot of cases, if you, you know, if you are just getting started with small group lessons, first of all, that's totally fine. You got started, which is like the most important thing. But like now is the time to really sort of like dig in, like double up, level up. Like you're going to, you know, spend a little bit of time to really like make your small groups magical by giving just like a little bit more intention. So I don't know. It's like focus on small groups for just a little bit and you'll get a huge return for the rest of the year. I love that. And I love the idea that like this is where the magic happens because you get to see so much of that learning and the breakthrough up close. You know, when you're teaching a whole group, obviously the kids are still making advances and they're learning. But in that small group, you're just, I don't know, it feels like you're just really in the thick of it together and you're really seeing the next steps start to take shape. It's, it's so powerful. It was always one of my favorite times because I feel like you, you get to know your students on like such a personal level. And it's like, especially for some students that don't do well, if they're introverted or they don't do well, like whole groups, students can really like come out of their shell in small group lessons. So I just feel like it's a great time to really like connect with students on like such a personal level. And as an introvert, I appreciate that you're thinking (laughs) of that because yeah, like in a small, even a whole group, I mean, maybe it was different when I was six or seven, but as I got older, I really got a lot quieter and, you know, growing up in the eighties and nineties, we didn't, 
small groups weren't so much of a thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So I just really didn't have a lot of connections with my teachers because I, A, wasn't causing problems and I, B, wasn't the one like getting involved really in a lesson. I was doing what I was asked, but I was never like making those connections. And I think in a small group, I could have had a really different experience. And I know, like you mentioned as a teacher, you get to know your kids on such a different level when you're just, you know, all sitting together like that. So powerful. Absolutely. So what else can you tell us about the benefits of small groups? Well, I think obviously it's like, you know, getting to know your students on like a personal level is like a huge part of it. And, you know, differentiating because you have students that, you know, you get to figure out like, here's the small group of students. They might need an objective that's different than another group of students. But I also think it's an opportunity for you to reteach a concept in a different way. You know, it's like small groups are really meant to sort of mirror and reinforce what you've already taught whole group. So it's like, if you've taught a lesson whole group and you have a group of students that didn't fully understand that concept, you can present it to them in a different way in your small group lesson, you know, whether that is using a different text or a different genre or incorporating, you know, video or audio or bringing in some like hands-on materials. And so I think it's just like an opportunity for you to really reinforce what you've already taught whole group, but in a way that might like resonate with your students. So Obviously, you know, differentiating, connecting with students, but also just like an opportunity for you to reteach concepts in a different way that might help students master it just a little bit better. That's such a good point because we don't want our small group instruction to be an exact mirror of the whole group instruction. You're just going to end up, you're digging the hole deeper of the, you know, (laughs) disconnect between what they get, what they're understanding and what they need to understand. So this is the perfect place to pivot. I also found with small groups, I love that because you needed fewer resources, So like if I needed a certain math manipulative, well, if I only need it for six kids, I can afford that as opposed to like, I need it for 25 kids. I maybe can't fund that, but I can use something, something more hands-on, something more concrete with a small group that is just not possible in a whole group setting. Yeah. I I mean, I think that's so smart because it's just like, you know, teachers a lot of times are bringing stuff like from their own their own fund at home or their own budget. Or you just like, I mean, I taught in schools where they're like, great, you get five whiteboards for your class. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with five whiteboards? But then it's like, great. These are like one of our magic tools at small group table, which is just like made small groups more appealing because students are like, great, we can use the whiteboards during small groups. So, you know, I think anything that you can just use to like make that small group time like more special is also another way to like elevate that time with your students. Yes. So what are the unique aspects of small group teaching that also make it challenging at times? So I think small group lessons or teaching is like really one of the most like powerful tools that a teacher has. And I think it is probably also one of the most challenging things to plan for and implement and manage and, (laughs) you know, all of that. And, you know, I think it requires a lot of like prep and intentional planning. You know, you can't just be like, I'm going to start small groups tomorrow and like not do anything about it, you know, or not do anything to get ready for it. It's like, You have to, first of all, make sure you have a very concrete plan for the rest of your students, which I feel like is probably one of the biggest mistakes that teachers make is they don't spend enough time thinking through what is the rest of the class going to be doing? Because the reality of it is you could have a really incredible lesson like planned and prepped for your small group table and it could go perfectly well. But if the rest of your class is like chaos (laughs) and disorder, then that is a waste of your instructional time because, you know, 80% of your class is not engaged in a meaningful learning activity. So when you're preparing for small groups, you have to take time to plan for the rest of your class, which is going to also then require some training and prep work because those students need to know how to be independent without your help. But then it also requires you to plan and prepare for each of your individual small groups. And more than likely, 
you're going to have, you know, anywhere from four to six groups. And those groups are going to have a variety of needs. And so it's not like you can plan one small group lesson and then rinse and repeat, you know, six times. <laughs> if only, right? If only, right? <laughs> but you have to plan a different lesson for each group, which means then finding a different set of materials or text or, you know, whatever it is. So, you know, it's like the ultimate multitasking challenge for teachers. Like you have to plan for the rest of your class and prepare and train them. But then you also have to plan for multiple, you know, small groups and then making sure that like your students within that group, you know, if one student's growing faster than another student, like when do you shift the groups? And then how do we assess the groups? I mean, there's all sorts of just like moving parts that happen with small groups that require teachers intentionality with it that make it challenging. Not impossible, but it is definitely challenging. I think moving parts is a really good way to (laughs) summarize what it's like trying to teach small groups. And you have outlined six steps for small group success. Do you want to walk us through that? I know we've we've touched on step one a little bit, but do you want to walk us through your steps for success? Yeah, absolutely. So I I mean I always think it's kind of like, you know, I I get a lot of questions from teachers about small groups, like, you know, I need help with my small groups or I'm getting ready to start with small groups. Like, what do I do? So I think anytime that we can give teachers a set of steps or processes to take, it's just like, okay, this is where you're going to like focus your energy and attention. So the number one thing ultimately is make sure that your students have something meaningful to work on. And, you know, when you are sort of like thinking about the rest of your class, I kind of think that there's almost three categories of tasks or activities that you can provide them with. And they're all beneficial. And so it's one of those things where it's like, pick what works best for your teaching style. So you could have the rest of your class working on, you know, like literacy centers or workstations where there's, you know, a variety of tasks and they rotate and they're working in small groups and they do something for 10 minutes and then they switch to another task. That works great for a lot of teachers. You could also have your students do like a self-paced independent reading or independent writing. And that also works great for a lot of teachers. And you could then also give them like a teacher assigned task. So rather than, you know, having them do the independent reading or writing, you might say today, you're going to complete this assignment while I'm pulling my small group. So you're basically guiding that time that the rest of the class is working. And ultimately, it just depends on your style of, of teaching. I think that like centers and workstations are fun and they're great, but it sort of is a classroom management, like, I don't want to say nightmare, but like, there's, there's a lot that goes on. So like, if you moving as a teacher, parts. moving parts, we'll go back to that moving parts. But like, if you as a teacher don't feel confident with all those moving parts, you can still pull small groups, just like shift what you have the rest of your class doing. So that's like step number one. And then step number two is making sure that you are planning your small group lesson around an objective that is going to benefit your students. And I think this can be challenging for for teachers because there are so many, like if you think about specifically like literacy, there are so many aspects and elements that go into creating skilled readers. You know, even if you just think about like the five pillars of reading, like phonological awareness, like phonics, you know, fluency, vocabulary, comprehension, and you might have a group of students that really struggle with phonics, you know, and they're going to need help and support in that area. But you might have another group of students where like their hang up has to do with like vocabulary and they struggle with word parts and everything. And then you might have another group of students where it's like, you know, they can read all the words accurately, but like they can't understand what they're reading. So they struggle with the comprehension side of things. So, you know, it's really important that you sort of know how to group your students and that you know what it is that they specifically need help with. And I support mostly upper elementary teachers and 
if you have any upper elementary teachers in your audience, I, this is a little message for them, but (laughs) you know, so often we focus on the, like the list of standards that our students are required to, you know, to to master by the end of the year, or we, we focus a lot on what are they going to be tested on at the end of the year. But what you really need to focus on is what do my students need in order to grow as a reader? And in some cases, if you are a third, fourth, or fifth grade teacher, and you have students that are struggling to actually decode a text and, you know, read the words like at the very basic level, you might have to back up and start where they are at. Because if you continue to spend your small group time focusing on helping them master the standards or you're focusing on some sort of test prep or you're focusing on comprehension, you know, but they can't actually read the words, like you're not going to get any benefit from that small group. And so, you know, once you've got the rest of your class, like figured out what they're doing, like the next thing is, is to make sure that you're planning objectives that are going to benefit the students in the group, regardless of like how far back you need to go. Start with what your students need, not with like what your state is telling you they need to learn by the end of the year. I think that is such a powerful (laughs) message. (laughs) Hard though for teachers because it's like, wait a minute, like I need to, these standards they're supposed to master. Like I don't have time to back up, but you know, it's a matter of like what, yeah, it's just, we have to give our students what they need. Right. And if you don't meet them where they are, then they, they can't make progress. And so you're You may be putting in time and doing small groups every day, but if you're not doing it where they need to work, you're just wasting everybody's time. And that's not what you want to be doing. This isn't about making a check mark that you did your small groups. It's about actually meeting their needs. That's so important. And you're also sending that signal if you're working above the level where they're able to work, you're sending the signal that they're failing. This is impossible. They can't do this. And we don't want to ever discourage kids in that way, you know? But if we're meeting them where they are and they can see like I'm making some steps forward, that's empowering. That's going to motivate them to keep trying. And that's where the growth is going to happen. Not if we just, if we hammer fourth grade content enough, it will get in their heads. Like that has clearly not ever worked for anybody. Yes. It's doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. I, I feel like, you know, and again, it's like, this is, teachers have so much like horrible pressure from like states and districts when it comes to like testing. So like, I totally understand, but it's just like, if a student can't, like if they didn't read and understand the text the first time, like giving them more practice and exposure to the same thing is not going to help. Like we need to go back and figure out what, what sort of challenge roadblock hurdle does this student need in order to grow? And like, that's where we need to start. Yes. Okay. So the third thing that I think teachers should do if they want to have small group success is intentionally incorporate writing into every single small group lesson. And I think to some cases, like teachers might think, well, I teach reading, like I don't teach writing, but I feel like there's such a strong connection between, there is not, I feel, there is such a strong connection between reading and writing. And whether it is, you know, students are writing an answer to a question or you do, you know, two small group lessons that focus on, you know, reading a text and discussing, and then they write about it you want to give your students opportunities to write. And I always think that like reading is one of those things that is so abstract. And sometimes it's hard to actually see like what is going on in the student's brain when they're reading this, but when they write about what it is that they're reading, they can make their thinking visible. And it's an opportunity for you to to get a little inside peek into, you know, their understanding of the text. But also most students struggle with writing and most teachers also don't have enough time to effectively teach writing the way that they want. So if you can just be committed to incorporating writing into every single one of your small group lessons or your small group lesson like rotation, that's just going to benefit your students not only in reading, but also in writing as well. That is certainly an area where I have fallen short in the past of making sure that I'm including writing. So that is a very good reminder. And it's such a good way for kids to own 
the learning that's happening is, you know, when you're reading to an extent, you are the consumer, but when you're writing, you're having to be the producer of the information. And that is going to force you to think at a deeper level about everything that's going on, about what what you understand. And like you said, as a teacher, you can't see into those little brains. So this is the <laughs> only way you have to know what's going on in there. So it's just such a powerful connection. And I don't think I've ever recognized the connection so clearly as like, this is important in the small group because you're working right at their targeted area. So why not get so much more bang for your buck, as it were, in the small group time we're going to work on, you know, these certain skills and then also have some kind of like they're going to have to produce something to really solidify that understanding. It's so powerful. So thank you for sharing that. Hey there, teacher friend. Do you have a question or concern that could use a teacher proof solution? We'd love to help you out by answering your question here on the podcast. You can submit your questions to hello at secondstorywindow.net and put podcast question in your subject line. Can't wait to hear what's on your mind. When I was teaching in the classroom, I taught at an international baccalaureate school, which is like an inquiry-based approach. And also like they really push like thematic planning and thematic teaching. And so we had to really think about how are we integrating all subjects kind of like at all points, but I feel like we have this tendency to teach to teach in isolation, right? We have our math time and then we have mm-hmm. our reading time and we have our writing and we have our science and our social studies. But like the reality of it is, is like our learning does not happen in like buckets, right? Or like what you were saying, like the production, like if you're going to write something like that doesn't happen just during writing, like we're producing writing in all aspects. So I think anytime that you can like be intentional about integrating multiple subjects at the same time, that helps students realize that it's like, okay, wait a minute, my learning has a benefit in like all other subjects. So even like, you know, with this incorporating writing into your small group lesson, like one of the things you could have your students do is after they've read a text, you could have them summarize it. So they're writing, but then the next time you come back to your small group table, have them go through the writing process of their summary and have them revise it and look at the word choice and look at like, you know, the voice that they used and are they like being succinct? Did they organize it in the right way. So it's like they're still focusing on the comprehension of the text, but you're also then bringing in some of these other writing skills as well. So just small things you can do to like highlight writing during small group. And like I said, it's going to elevate both reading and writing. I love that. Okay. The fourth tip, and this was the hardest one for me. This probably took me like years to figure out, but the fourth one is to structure your small group to give students time to practice. And When I think back to like when I started small groups, I mean, first of all, I was like, yay, I finally started small groups. Like (laughs) we're making progress. But my small group lessons would look something like this, right? Like my students would come to the table. I would tell them what we were going to focus on. I would, you know, teach them a lesson. We would talk about it a whole lot. And then before you know it, I would look down at my watch and I'm like, oh, and time's up. Go back to your desks and we'll focus on this next time. And I realized that like my students were coming to my table mostly to hear me talk about whatever it is that we like had already taught whole group or we were going to do in our small group, but they never got time to practice. And there was so much teacher talk that was happening. And ultimately, like if we want our students to be successful, they have to practice whatever it is that we are teaching them. Like they're never going to improve if they're never actually practicing or manipulating or discussing or talking So you really need to think about how are you setting up your small group lessons and how are you allocating the time to make sure that students get time to practice while they're at your small group table? Because 
the goal of the small group is so that they can practice and do something and you are there to provide support and feedback as needed, right? So that way you can provide like the immediate correction if your students need it. But that took me a really long time to to figure out. So one of the things that I like to do, and I encourage my teachers to use this, but it, it is a very, it's, I, I refer to it as like the 4T framework for teaching small group. And it's a super simple structure that you can use to like plan your lessons, especially if you're like just getting started and you're not sure how to structure your lesson. Just think of the four T's. So the first thing is you're going to target. So you're going to spend like one to two minutes and you're going to sort of like identify the target of your small group. And this could be like a phonics skill that you're going to work on decoding. This could be, you know, vocabulary that you're going to, you know, work on. This could be a comprehension skill. This could be a specific genre. This could be summarizing the text, whatever it is, like you're going to target. So you're going to let your students know what they're doing and why it's going to help them grow as readers. And then the second thing you do is you're going to teach. You're going to teach for like one to two minutes. So like it's supposed to be short because if you think about it, small group is not necessarily new learning. It should be a review of something that they've already taught whole group. So you don't have to teach them something for the first time. You're just reminding them of the process or the questions or the key point. And, you know, if you can bring in like an anchor chart or a visual or an example or, you know, a a bookmark with questions, something to like help them, but it's short. And then you get to the tackle, which is like the bulk of your small group lesson. And I always like to make this like eight to 10 minutes. And this is where your students are going to go through and they're actually going to apply and practice whatever it is that you are focusing on. So it might be manipulating words in a word sort. It might be reading, you know, a paragraph or a text. It might be answering some questions, whatever it is, your students need to be doing the work. And then the very last thing is the transfer. And this is where it's going to be around two to three minutes. And this is where you are going to, you know, either review what it is your students were working on or kind of bring it back together and discuss, you know, as a group but then you're going to sort of remind them and let them know like, okay, you've practiced this here. Now this is what it's going to look like when you continue to practice this. And you're going to kind of like empower them with a little pep talk to be like, you've got this, you've done well here. Now like go forth and do this every time you read. (laughs) We love lists around here. Yes. (laughs) Can you just give us those four T's one more time so everyone can make sure they got it? Absolutely. So it is going to be target your skill for the small group, teach that specific skill to your students, Tackle, this is where the students are doing the work. So the students are going to tackle that skill independently while you provide support. And then the fourth one is transfer, where you're going to help them transfer that to their independent learning moving forward after the group. That is a magical breakdown. That is (laughs) such a good way to look at small groups. It helped me. And I know it helps other teachers because sometimes you just have to be like, okay, like how many minutes do I have here? You know, it's like teachers have so much going on. So I think anytime that you can create a system or a procedure, it's just going to help eliminate your you don't have to think about it. Like you can sort of like make your small groups run on autopilot when you have a system. So good. So good. We aren't paying you enough for this content. (laughs) Hey, if it's helping teachers, I'm here for it. (laughs) Okay. And what are your last two steps? We're up to five and six. Absolutely. So the fifth one, I think this is most fun for like teachers, but and students for that matter, but you want to make it fun, right? Like you want to think about how can you make your small groups fun? Because, you know, we talked about how small groups are going to be like this magical time with your students. But if it's going to be magical and effective, your students need to be excited to show up and do the work. So you want to just think about how can you do something during your small group time that is special for that part of your instructional day? So 
Maybe you're playing some music in the background that you only play during small group time. Maybe you have some like, you know, you turn the lights off and you have special lamps that you turn on, or maybe you have a silly hat that you wear or your students have, I mean, we always like in lower elementary, I know it's like kids wear goggles or they have those whisper phones or those (laughs) magic pointers, but like upper elementary kids love that stuff as well. Or even something like start your small group lesson with like a joke every day, you know, anything that just makes it like a fun experience for the students. And I think part of that too is like really highlighting and celebrating the progress and the growth that they have made, especially if you happen to be like an upper elementary teacher who is backtracking and working on some of those early on foundational skills. Like students want to see the growth that they have made and understand that I'm getting benefit out of this small group. So consider how you can make your small group time fun. And then the sixth tip is making sure that you are spending time assessing to make sure that your small group instruction is working because you don't want to do small groups if they're not providing a return. So you have to make sure that it's like, okay, how do I know that these are working? And you can look for evidence in so many ways. Like maybe you see an increase on their weekly assessments that you're giving them. You know, maybe you're doing a a benchmark assessment and you see growth in that area. Maybe you're doing a running record of some sorts. You might even just see growth in like the student's confidence and their excitement around reading. But definitely look for evidence of growth at some point, you know, after you've been focusing on something in a small group, you want to make sure that your students are actually mastering that specific skill. Those steps are so great. Yeah, absolutely. We love surprise and delight. That's one thing we talk about on our podcast. And so I had never thought of incorporating that into small group because I was just always kind of like down to business. But yeah, if you can add something to just elevate the experience, your kids will just get so much more out of it because they're going to be invested in it. And then again, it's so important to look for, is this helping? (laughs) Like, are they making the growth that I want them to be making from what I'm doing? Because if not, either you need to find a different way to address it. Maybe you need to restructure your groups. If it's not helping, it's not worth doing. You got better things to do. So (laughs) So we have to make sure that we are assessing to make sure that really all of these moving pieces have a purpose and it's serving the purpose that I need it to. So that's so important. Thank you for sharing all of those. Absolutely. And what would you say before we finish up, what would you say to a teacher who is wading into small groups for the first time and they are feeling a little overwhelmed? They they just got super jazzed about hearing all of your steps and they want to do it, but they're feeling a little overwhelmed. What would you say to them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, first of all, it's completely valid to feel overwhelmed. You know, starting small groups, I feel like is a huge, like, when you do that, like as a teacher, you're like, okay, we are in it now, you know, like (laughs) we are there. So if you are getting started, like, and you feel overwhelmed, first of all, that is okay, completely normal. But I think like, don't let the overwhelm paralyze you. So start small, but you have to get started. Like if you ever want your small groups to be the most amazing and like, beneficial part of your instructional day, you have to start. So that way you eventually have something that you can refine. And so maybe you start by just pulling one small group a day, you know, because if you're pulling one small group a day, that's 15, 20 minutes, you can give your students an assigned, like a teacher assigned task or assignment. So you don't have to worry about setting up centers. You don't have to worry about them building their stamina for independent reading, like give them an assignment that they know how to do. So the majority of your class is engaged in something to where you have time then to pull one small group a day and start with that and do that for a couple of weeks. And then when you feel like you're comfortable managing a small group and that your kids are sort of used to this, then maybe you start pulling two small groups and then maybe you're like, okay, we're going to try the center thing, you know, and you just add on to it, but you have to get started if you ever want to improve your small group system. 
we are personally guilty of being the type of teachers <laughs> that are like, if I can't do it perfect, I don't yeah, even want to start. Right. So our personal, <laughs> our personal mantra is don't let perfect be the enemy of good. And that yes. is, that is the perfect application for this right here of just start, just start. I love that. And it's hard, you know, I think it can be hard, but just like put a date on the calendar and be like, all right, we're doing this. Yep. Dive in and let us know how it goes. We, we would love to hear about that. Yes. <laughs> well, we like to end our podcast episodes with a teacher-approved tip. Do you have a tip that you can share with our listeners of something small and actionable that they can implement in their classrooms? Absolutely. So I am always looking for like, how can teachers save time? Because we know that like time is something that teachers never have it's enough golden. of. Yeah. So one of the things that I, I did and I encourage teachers to do, especially around small groups, is look for ways that you can repurpose your texts and materials for multiple small group lessons. I think we have this like idea that it's like, okay, I've got, I have to have a new, like a new text for every lesson or a new word sort for every lesson or a new, like whatever it is. But it's like, okay, if you think about, especially like, you know, in upper elementary, you can take one text and you could I mean, approach that text from so many different angles, whether it is vocabulary or practicing fluency or, you know, digging into like the actual content of it or looking at the organization and the structure. I mean, you know, there's so many ways that you can approach it. So rather than constantly looking for like new materials and new texts, just think about like, okay, how can I repurpose this one text for multiple lessons? I also think that gives students an opportunity just to really like dig deep into the content of the text to where they're then also like growing their knowledge, but also working on these like literacy standards as well. That is such a great tip. Thank you. And then it's less copies to make too. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Even better. Less time with the copier is always a win. (laughs) Yes. Sarah, where can our audience find you? Absolutely. So I am the host of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. I have new episodes that come out every Monday. So if you found these tips helpful, come over and take a listen. I'm also on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. And I I love connecting with teachers. So if you have questions about small group or anything related to literacy, literally send me a DM. We can chat all about it. It just makes my day when I hear from teachers. So don't be shy. And I want to endorse your podcast because I really enjoy it. I'm a listener and I really enjoy it. <laughs> oh, yay. Thing, so. Yes, awesome. so good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Sarah. Absolutely. This was a fun conversation. Thanks for having me, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Teacher Approved. I'm Heidi. And I'm Emily. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow or subscribe in your podcast apps so that you never miss an episode. You can connect with us and other teachers in the Teacher Approved Facebook group. We'll see you here next week. Bye for now. Bye.